Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. We are going to have a fabulous conversation right now about this idea of building and growing a remote sales team. So, a couple of years ago, building a remote sales team might have been a little bit challenging, a little bit cryptic. Um, but now it seems like the right thing to do because it's just more efficient. And there are so many economies of scale that we can do. There's good sort of work-life balance with our team members and so many possibilities. I have an expert on the subject matter. And this expert, his name is his name is Lovey, and he's gonna get into what we need to be doing to really thinking, to be thinking about remote sales and building out that team and getting people inspired and of course accomplishing my my our goals here so if you could please start with a short bio and let's get into this topic absolutely so uh nice to be with you uh you here today and to yeah. be with your audience um short bio um so i'm i actually come from the real estate space uh originally uh real estate uh property management uh entered into energy retail power and gas uh, 12 years ago, uh, building up the, the re uh, renewable energy company, retail power and gas company out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, about four years into it, uh, realized that there was a serious need around uh, customer facing teams specifically. Uh, so as, as being in the retail power and gas company uh, business, uh, I was mostly uh, spending my time around developing out customer facing teams. Uh, and I kind of tested out the waters, uh, you know, on site uh, in our offices in, in, in Brooklyn. I went down to the Dominican Republic, uh, hired teams out in the Philippines, when, you know, hired teams in Florida, uh, nearshore, offshore. And there was just a slew of different issues that I was running into uh, from just finding out, finding the right talent uh, to not wanting to outsource it to a third party and wanting to keep it, you know, my, my finger on the pulse, the hands on the hands on 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 everything that's going on, um, and to to scaling up to all the little intricacies that are needed to actually launching launching a, a customer facing team, customer engagement team. Now the core of the focus of what we did back then was was sales, but um, you know, but it, but it kind of uh, bled into other things as well. So it's you know retention to upselling to quality assurance. Um, and obviously, cust you know, some customer service too. To, but, but again, core of it was sales, and uh, just trying to figure out like what is the, the the best way and the best model, and taking into consideration all the pitfalls that uh, you know we would run into based on on the on-site versus nearshore versus offshore models, and then of course looking at it uh, with being um, you know hands-on with internal versus versus uh, outsourcing and going through that whole experience uh, kind of opened my eyes to a real opportunity and uh, that's when we started overpass yeah there's thank you for that there's there's a couple of distinctions here that i'd like to make there's a remote sales team there's an outsourced sales team there's near shore and there's offshore so there's probably more variations of that um, but could you take us through sort of uh, maybe a quick synopsis on maybe some of the pros and cons of each of those different sort of permutations. Yeah. So typically people see like offshore or near shore, uh, you know, as, as a, as an outsource solution, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm outsourcing my customer engagement team uh, to a third party. 
-hmm. Now, uh, there are certain benefits of doing it near shore than, than offshore, but either way, essentially I'm, I'm outsourcing it to a third party. Uh, and then of course you're building up your own team internally, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and building up your own team, and there's lots of amazing benefits that come along with that, uh, which is you know, you, you're building the culture, you're, you have, you're hands on, you're uh, very, involved in, in the details and optimizing the flow and ensuring that your customers are getting the, you know, the right experience. Um, and then there's remote, right? There's the distributed teams, uh, which is the best of both worlds because, because you're, not, you're not giving it off to a third party. You're, you're not outsourcing it. It's literally the, the same thing as if you had it you know, in-house in your physical offices, but you are able to take advantage of the fact that they are distributed. And of course, there's lots and lots of benefits that come along with that. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then, what have you learned? I mean, what are the three biggest challenges that are that, that people are dealing with? That leaders, sales leaders, CEOs, you know, heads, heads, leaders. What are they suffering from right now? What, what have you noticed? Well, I mean, I think pretty much everyone would agree uh, that not just within customer-facing teams, customer engagement teams, or sales teams, um, it's very difficult finding great talent. Um, and especially when it comes to sales teams, uh, you don't just want to find a great salesperson. You want to find a specialist. You want to find someone that, that knows your space, someone that understands you know, your vertical, uh, understands the technologies or is familiar with the technologies you work with, um, is, is available in the time you want them to be available, uh, speaks the languages you want them to speak, um, and, and that is almost impossible uh, to, to come by locally. Uh, and then even if it is possible to come by locally, a lot of companies are, are challenged with the cost that comes along with that. Of course, you know, with inflation today, it's only getting worse. Uh, you know, I predict over the next uh, year uh, to 18 months, uh, it, this problem is going to magnify tremendously. Uh, so, you know, I would say the, the biggest number one issue is just purely finding what you know the, the talent at, a, at an affordable rate uh, and then and then number two is time uh, a lot of companies don't have the luxury of uh, of taking you know uh, uh, six weeks eight weeks 12 weeks uh, to onboard uh, local sales talent uh, you know they have a market that they need to hit uh, whether it's because of you know VC VC money and they have some expectations of them uh, they want to bring on you know a, a certain revenue uh, and they have a, tar a certain target that they want to hit. And uh, if they don't hit it, then they're essentially not, not getting the next round of funding, right? Um, so uh, they don't necessarily have the time. So it's not just a matter of getting the right person at the right rate and the, for them to be specialized in your space, but and to be able to deploy them very quickly and easily, um, but to be able to do all that re really, really quite, uh, fast. And, and so you can hit your revenue marks. Mm -hmm. Now, one of one of the things that, that I think about a lot is this idea of culture. You mentioned that earlier, where if we hire and we uh, sort of evangelize our corporate culture and uh, the, our customer service techniques, the way in which we communicate, our flow, our process, if we really um, start to disseminate our culture out to our, our team, we start to build a larger collective culture. Um, now, Talk to me about some of the challenges that you've heard about where culture gets broken when the team uh, is not necessarily remote, but but more outsourced or even part time. And, and yeah. then, of course, and then, of course, the solution for that. How do we solve that culture? 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's interesting because I think people automatically assume that if it's going to be within this model, uh, then there's going to be a culture break uh, and there are going to be culture concerns and they're not going to actually really want to take the time to invest uh, in, in, in the talent. And, and I found that that's just uh, a mindset that some companies come in with. Uh, but the reality is that that's totally not the case. I, I think that comes from the, you know, where the outsource concept, you know, you're outsourcing to a third party um, and you just kind of hands off and obviously you're not building any type of culture in that way. Uh, we personally have over 18 reps that we've hired you know, from uh, sales reps, primarily even ops, sales ops. We even uh, you know, have a couple marketing people that we've all hired from our marketplace. And the culture is tremendous. There's you know, morning chats every morning. Uh, I, I actually personally engage with them every single week. Uh, there are one-on-ones. Uh, there's ongoing training. There's personal development. Uh, there are bonuses. There's you know all all the, there's everything that creates. Obviously, it's virtual, so we're not going out out to dinner together. Um, and but you're going to get that with any type of remote situation. Uh, but in terms of the culture and the buy-in that we all have as a team, like uh, I just was on with the entire team earlier today. One of the things we were discussing, which was amazing, one of the things we were discussing is getting more granular with the industries, mm-hmm. and not just being like let's say finance, for instance, but like there are maybe like ten or twelve different subs of finance. So that way we could kind of, you know, tie in the, the, the two sides in, in a much deeper way. And, and it was a brainstorming session within with all, you know, the entire sales team. So this is not like some outbound, you know, outsourced person that's going to make a couple calls for you. These people are members of the team. And mm-hmm. it's all about the companies. If they want to look at it that way, it will be that way. If they want to invest in them, they will get that return of proper culture. If they're not going to invest in them and they're not going to communicate, they're not going to treat them in that way, and they're not going to provide open lines of communication and invest in the training. We have a week onboarding training for on our company with our with what we do. So, mm-hmm. so if you're just going to hire someone, throw them a resource, and tell them good luck, call me if you need anything, and then when they don't actually hit your quotas, you call them up and you're like, hey, what's up? That, that's that's you not building the culture. So if you did that with someone in house, this the same outcome you would you would be getting the same outcome. It doesn't matter mm. if they're remote or if there's someone physically literally sitting right next to you. You get you're getting what you're investing in. If you invest the time and energy, you're getting that back. Well, I mean this this goes back into uh, an an old Chinese proverb. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure every civilization has this one. There is no such thing as a bad student, just a bad teacher. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, you know, I, and I think this is the ultimate statement of accountability where um, we as, as, as leaders and as hiring managers, we're really uh, in servitude um, in disguise. And, and I think what I mean by that is, is when you say onboarding, I think of training, I think of adopting into the corporate culture, I think of providing ca- compassion and empathy in, during transitional times. And it, it takes time. It takes to it takes time to invent invest in people. And I think that the best investments are medium to long term, not uh, you know sales overnight. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you. And and I think that again, yeah, I think people have concerns at times where they don't want to invest, 
uh, because they're they're coming with preconceived notions of this not mm. being, you know, uh, you know, this it's longer term relationship. It's kind of like this. It's like kind of quick thing in and out, uh, where it's going to be a day, a week, uh, or a couple of weeks, or a month. Um, but but no, that's not the case. If you invest, you'll actually get that back. You'll build that relationship, and you, and it can definitely be longer term. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we think about a lot is this idea of avoiding meetings when possible. Now, meetings are great. We love meetings. We're not allergic to them. But at the same time, we understand that sometimes instead of a 30-minute meeting, um, we always like to say, let's send a three-minute video instead of having a 30-minute uh, meeting on Zoom. And the reason why we believe in that is because we're a very sort of asynchronous video kind of content creation type company because, of course, we run a software company that allows people in sales to, to use videos. So we say, why don't why don't we use videos uh, for internal meetings and internal purposes as well? Um, when here's my question for you: When do we know that we're having too many meetings on Zoom, where it's actually affecting our morale, and people are now having to put up this cardboard uh, character to always be present in those Zoom meetings, as opposed to actually getting their work done? Yeah, um, good question. I, I think that uh, it's tricky uh, because uh, I don't think people intend to have a meeting that's pointless. Yeah, I think I think for the most part the intentions are are valid, yeah. are, are pure, uh, and and when you you're calling a meeting, you're you actually like are trying to um, get to an objective. Uh, but I, I think it's a matter of you know the well a couple of things. One is. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna call a meeting, you know, take some time to think through like, really, is is this meeting necessary? A and B, who who needs to be part of this meeting? Because I feel like sometimes like the meeting is necessary, but then you have like, I don't know, maybe half half the half the members of the meeting that just don't need to be there. Uh, and then also, I think what, what's really helpful is is an agenda prior to, uh, and sending out the agenda. Where, so it's pre, you know preparation. Um, and, and then I think like as you do do more of that and putting more thought into it and preparing more, uh, you'll start to realize like if, if this meeting is actually necessary and if these people actually need to all be here. I think a lot of it is is just like um, you know just what you're used to. So it's like you know we've been having this meeting and we're just you know we're going to continue having this meeting and uh, and then it's like a burnout feel. So uh, and, and what might be cool is is like you know getting like an outside party to be like. Uh, the the meeting um, police, <laughs> you know, where you know the the, the meeting yeah. auditor, right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be like ongoing role for like you know for whatever for however long, but it could be for like coming for a month, even be someone that's already working with the company. Hey, you know what? I I think I think uh, you know you think well. I like the way you think. Um, do me a favor. Spend, spend the next month. Go through the different meetings going uh, happening within the company. Let me know if you think that all the people that are there should, should be there if they're preparing the way they should be preparing and even if the meeting needs to happen. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think that um, self-accountability is really critical here. Um, I really connect to this idea of, you know, what is it that we're going to talk about? Who is it that's in this meeting? And I think that when we establish the sort of nest, you know, need to have versus want to have uh, type sort of priorities, we can say, hey, maybe we don't need to have this maybe we just want to have it or maybe we do need to have it and so make i think making those decisions is really critical here but i, I do want to add one thing though Please. um when it comes to sales uh, meetings are so important 
They really yeah. are. And I, I feel like there, there, is, there isn't enough meetings in sales, especially when with remote sales. Uh, now that said, you do want to ensure the content is sound. You want to ensure that, you know, that people are actually gaining from the meeting. You're not just having the meeting, sure, but you know, to meet to meet twice a day, even for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, uh, is super important for morale to constantly grow, to learn from to learn from each other, uh, to to optimize your process. There's so much to to grow, and and that's a problem also is 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 people come into like sales thinking that well, we we put it together the framework or the playbook or, you know, the people and the process, and now we're going to do it. It doesn't work like that. It's a living, breathing organism. It's, it's something that you constantly have to massage and have to optimize in order for it to actually give you the, the fruit that you want out of it. That's just how, that's just how sales works. If you think that you're not going to do that, and a lot of people don't do, don't, want to believe that that's the case because they don't want to put in the resources or, or or the really the resources right they don't they don't maybe want to hire the dedicated sales manager or they have a dedicated sales manager that's doing a bunch of other stuff too so they're not really dedicated or they're not mm. really putting in their time and in their mind they're thinking well you know they they don't like they don't need to spend all their time on this but if you really think through the things that they have to do or they should be doing to really optimize the process, you'd realize that absolutely they, they need to be dedicated. Because it's not just, even if you have a small team of two or three people, it's not just about that. Optimizing the process, it's it's how we're going to get to the point of now scaling this, right? And, and mm. then and that comes along with what? We have to now find more people. Who are we going to find? What's our interview process look like? How can we improve on our interview process uh, on when we onboard them? What does our training process look like right now? Are we putting our training process in, into a learning and management tool, so 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 we can you know scale that out, and that's a whole you know massive effort in itself. Um, what does our content look like? What's the format of our content look like? Is, is it professionally done, or did we get one of our sales guys to put it together in the interim and we just never look back? Mm. Yeah. So what would you say the the ideal uh, sort of agenda of a, of a, of a recurring sales meeting would be. So it's, this is your weekly sales call with all, all the reps, everyone in the sales department. How do you like to manage a meeting like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the CEO, so I'm not, I'm not running the team, but, uh, first of all, um, I would like ops to be on every, every meeting, the sell, the sales ops, gal, uh, guy, uh, every morning there, there's a stand up every morning uh it's video it's not voice everyone's on, on the video stand up uh first thing in the morning you block that out of your calendar so you can you, none of your clients are, bo are booking out uh that's going to run from anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes I, I would probably say more like 30. um and then there's the slack right running throughout the day uh, so it's back and forth communication, different things that are happening. You kind of set up your Slack channels, DMing, some fun stuff, some exciting stuff that are happening in Slack. So you're constantly collaborating, communicating throughout the day, and then you, and then you're closing out that day. Again, all, all video meeting, talk about just you know uh, re, a recap on the day, what's going on, close it out, make sure we're, we're, all, we're all there, we're all on the same page, and then you set up your one-on-ones throughout the week. 
beyond that. So, so it's so it's a daily open and close. All, all hands, right? All hands from from sales, including sales ops, and then separate from that, you're setting up your one on ones, which is you know getting getting deeper into that specific person in terms of how mm -hmm. the, the the deeper coaching. Mm -hmm. The deeper that makes sense and how they can improve. And those one on ones, I would say, would be about an hour. And you want to, it depends how, how large a team size is. If it's a smaller team, you want to do it every week. If, you know, if it's, it grows larger, you might not have the time, uh, but, but no less than every other week. Great. Now take me through overpass. Sure. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to bring up the website um, while you're sort of giving us the, the sort of problem maybe in solution statement and then yep. kind of some of the, some of the nitty gritty. Yeah, sure. So the main thing, uh, the, the main problem that companies run into uh, is it's very hard getting sales off the ground. Okay. That, that's just, it's as simple as that. It, it really is, you know, thinking about, um, you know, there are some companies that, that, you know, work on overpass that have never built a sales team. Uh, a lot of them have, and they just want to scale a sales team. Uh, so, but the, the reality is that, you know, especially if you don't have, if you haven't really spent the time in developing out a, a sales team, um, it, it's, it could be a daunting task. Um, so it's nice when you could go through the entire flow from, from the thought of, Hey, I need to scale a sales team to actually having a sales team and, and, and having everything you need, even from a resource perspective to run the sales team all within a couple of days, mm. right? And it's not outsourced, meaning it's, it's an in-house team. So essentially what we're talking about here is, you know, I'm getting onto a platform, going through a free registration flow. I'm finding the sales specialists. And that's very important because if they're just sales people and they don't specialize in my space, that's not that meaningful to me. It's nice, it's good, but sales specialists that's, that, that actually have extensive experience in my space specifically, go through the flow of you know, interviewing, requesting an interview, interviewing them on the platform, and then, going, and then continue on to hiring them, and then deploying them. Mm. When I say deploying them, there's two ways to deploy them. There's, there's two models there. Uh, one is if they're working off so there some other sales enablement tool, there's a number of them out there. There's Outreach, there's SalesLoft, there's HubSpot. Um, then they would go for, they would, they would continue on working with those tools and, and they will work with the, the talent uh, and they will process the payment through Overpass as well. Uh, if they are, if they don't have a third party sales enablement tool, we have our own uh, sales enablement tool as, as part of the platform, as part of the ecosystem. Uh, and, and that would be the other uh, option that, that they could opt into. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And then you mentioned the marketplace. So how much of how much of the platform is in fact the marketplace? And when I say that, I mean um, the, the talent pool. Honestly, if it wasn't that, that's the core of everything, right? So, okay, got it. So we're, we're a, a niche in sales. So we're, we're a sales talent marketplace. And, and what that means, and of course, we're enriching it more and more over time. Uh, but what, what that means is we're sales first, 
versus remote talent marketplace first. Mm-hmm. So, so if you look at like some other generic marketplaces like Upwork or or Freelancer, um, when they set you know everything from from job posts to flows to uh, profiles to qu- you know querying abilities, um, you're setting this up thinking about the the holistic picture, right? From come from copywriters to designers to developers. And there's so many things that you need to take into account and, and ways that you need to build that out to encompass everything, right? So, so you, can't be, you can't be specific. And by doing that, you lose, mm. right? You, you lose the granularity. You lose the ability to, uh, to enrich your search and get deeper in terms of what it is that, that you're actually coming to the, to, to the platform to begin with for. Uh, so the so way we, we do things is... is we enter the shoes of sales people and sales managers. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have sales consultants that consult us, not just from a content strategy perspective, but from a product perspective. Mm. Right? So it's not just about industry specialization, getting granular with industries. Of course, it's about you know availability, but the voice sample, mm. right? Uh, so we have a voice sample on every profile. And getting and being able to listen in to, to what they sound like before you even spend time and requesting an, an interview with them, uh, getting understanding their personality, their sales specific personality, their sales core competencies, their sales skills. Right? There's there's multiple steps of a sales conversation. So when you look at skills, for instance, in in, in Upwork or or in a freelance or a guru, you're talking about again generic skills. What we care about is skills that specifically apply to the different steps of a sales conversation. Because there are inherent core skills of each step of a sales conversation. That makes sense. So we work with sales consultants to, to, you know, grow and learn in terms of what, what, you know, the the sales leaders of the world, what are they looking for when they're looking to hire salespeople? And then we integrate that to enrich this experience between client and contractor. That that sounds very compelling. Uh, overpass.com is the URL. Uh, sounds extremely intriguing. I'm definitely going to be doing more of my own research. Um, and then tell us uh, tell us a little bit how we can connect with you. Social channels. I have your LinkedIn profile up here. Where else is a good place to connect with you? Yeah. Um, so you can even email me, Levy at overpass.com, L-A-V-I-E at overpass.com. Uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Uh, you got my LinkedIn link up there. And then, uh, of course, check out overpass.com as well. Nice. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the the dub uh, LinkedIn integration and send you a personalized video message thanking you for being on the podcast with me. So look out for that. Um, uh, Levy, way, I, I really, I, I just want to say one thing. Uh, we, we use the dub product and we love it. Our whole team uses it, our whole sales team. And it, it's, it's really, really great product. And, uh, we're able to be a lot more impactful because we've used it. So, uh, props yeah. To, yeah. to you guys for, for really putting out a strong product. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I, I would love to figure out a way to provide more value to you, to build integrations, to allow your entire ecosystem to, to be able to communicate more effectively with videos. So I'm, I'm here. 
Um, we There's nothing more that we like better than partnerships and building integration. So uh, please keep in touch with me on that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and thank you once again. Stick around just for a couple of minutes for production notes, and I'll end it here. Thanks again. Really appreciate sure. the time. My pleasure.